Hi, travelers. You can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Go ahead and check out the description of this episode so you can find the link to our link tree, get access to all of our socials, as well as our YouTube channel so you can watch all of our episodes in full. This week, we're partnering with the Kentucky Colonel and Spectre Arts in Philadelphia. Make sure you check out all of our socials to stay up to date on our great content we're going to make with these collaborations and more details about the groups. Okay, Saturday, January 13th. Good show today, guys. Lance Allen, recurring guest, TMJ4 in Milwaukee. Uh, breaking down the Packers matchup against the Cowboys tomorrow and really their whole season, up and down season they've had so far. And of course, getting a Jordan Love as well. Jordan Love having an awesome end of the season and, you know, hot as ever going into the playoffs. We have college football, uh, college football news first, though, guys. Of course, uh, coming out today, uh, well, yesterday it was announced that Saban is retiring on uh, on. Well, Wednesday it was announced that Saban was I think it was Wednesday. He's retiring it and then was. and then uh today they came out with DeBoer, Kevin DeBoer, head coach of the Washington Huskies, of course, uh just went to the national title. He will be the new coach at Alabama. So two things to break down here. First, I mean, obviously, were you guys surprised by Saban retiring? I mean, I think you were. I think everyone was was really uh taken away by this news. More importantly though, why do you think that they decided to move forward with a new coach so fast. I mean, a lot of new, a lot of coaches out there, a lot of names could be on the block as potential candidates for the Alabama job. Why do you think that they went so fast, uh, you know, to name DeBoer as the new head coach? Well, first of all, yeah, I was completely surprised that Saban was retiring because there was no indication of it. Nobody's talking about, you know, recruiting differently or is he going to be there in three or four years? Nobody was mentioning any health issues, the way he sounded during the season, didn't sound like he had any plans of retiring anytime soon. So, yeah, I, I'm very surprised that Saban chose to retire because there was no warning, no indication of it whatsoever. Uh, as far as why they decided to move on so quickly, I think the biggest reason is because they want to keep all their star players. They want to make sure that everybody doesn't hit the transfer portal because that window is now open to Alabama players because they give them that option if their coach retires or leaves for a different job. He's got They've got a 30-day window. So I'm sure they wanted to go out and get the best coach they could get to keep those guys in-house and I think Kalen DeBoer is going to be a very good hire he's an offensive guru his record as a head coach is 104 and 12 going back to his days at Sioux Falls he turned Washington into a national title contender within two years I, I think Kalen DeBoer he's not going to have the success that Nick Saban had because no coach ever will I think in the history of college football yeah. anywhere no. but Kalen DeBoer I think is a very good hire to replace Nick Saban and keep that thing going at least to a degree yeah uh, I, I know he came out with reports Saban that is saying that he basically was filling assistant coaching roles and staffer roles like two days before he came out with the news about his yeah. retirement. So I don't really know what, you know, pushed the pushed the needle, made him, you know, go off the edge and, you know, end up retiring. But it is so weird. I mean, it's going to be weird not seeing him on the sidelines in Tuscaloosa anymore. It's going to be even weirder seeing DeBoer uh, in the sidelines, you know, with that crimson tide, that, that red crimson tide on the sidelines. But yeah, what do you think about you? You mentioned Zach, the players potentially moving on and joining the transfer portal. Do you mm. think that matters really? If there's no coach or there is a coach, I mean, I think people, a lot of people, go to Alabama to play for Nick Saban. So, I mean, do you really think it's going to really matter who they brought in? Because I think, like I said, my biggest concern if I was Alabama in the front office there would be I think people come to Tuscaloosa to play for Nick Saban. 
Oh, it absolutely matters. They needed a head coach. They needed somebody in place, at least somebody with some credibility. I think Kalen DeBoer certainly brings some credibility. And, you know, those guys, I, I know they all came to Alabama to play for Nick Saban, but if they can get somebody who's in the same stratosphere close to it, I think they would consider. If they didn't know who their head coach was, I think those guys would be in the portal immediately. So I think they definitely needed to find somebody, replace Nick Saban, and give those guys the flexibility, give them the option to uh, stay or go. Yeah, I think Alabama's still going to be a big football program in college football in the SEC. Basically, you're filling the shoes of a coaching legend in Nick Saban. So I still think Alabama is going to be a top program that's still on the map, still has a chance for a college football playoff run and a national title run. And uh, I think this was a good hire here. I kind of knew that Alabama wouldn't just hire, you know, whoever, whoever comes to mind instead, they yep. hire a big name here. Do you think it's risky for DeBoer's sake though? I mean, Tusk, I mean, Alabama football, obviously expectations are extremely high every single year. Uh, if he does well at Alabama, obviously that's great. And he, that's going to yeah, do very well in his coaching resume. But, you know, if they even lose three games a year in, in one year, Alabama, he's going to be on the hot seat. So that might not look good for his resume on the flip side. So do you think it's kind of a risky call by DeBoer to, to make this move, to, to move to Tuscaloosa? Yes, I think no. so. I mean, a little no. bit. He just won the national title at Washington. So I think it's a little bit risky on his part. Obviously, we talked about replacing a coaching legend in Nick Saban and an Alabama legend as well. But I think that he could have stayed. He could have stayed another year, but it looks like Washington. Everybody's going to leave there on the coaching staff. That's why I don't think it's all that risky because this was a scenario where Washington is not going to be probably a national title contender every single year. Where at Alabama, you are a national title contender every year. You are going to be able to get the top players in America to come. There is a still a level of respect for the brand name of Alabama, whether Nick Saban's a head coach or not. And if it, it might be the best coaching job in the country. And when that comes open and you've got the opportunity, you got to take it. Yeah, but best coaching uh, vacancy in the country, both pros and college. It's not going to be as much, uh, you know, not going to get as much recruiting, though, with the board, like we kind of already said. I, no, Nick Saban was the best coach in college, but uh, he also was even a better recruiter. And, of course, yeah, he's the best no recruiter one, of all time. Of all time, yeah. And so no one's going to ever – he's not going to really be able to fill those shoes in that regard. He could be a coach for sure, but uh, the recruiting is definitely going to be diminished for Alabama as well. Speaking of head coaching carousels, um, Zach, we talked about it a little bit on Thursday, uh, me and Justin, with all the, you know, everything that's going on in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll keep it fresh, though, unless you want to say anything particularly. Uh, Pat's uh, Patriots did go forward with Jared Mayo. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on this show, maybe like a week or two ago, about, you know, when Belichick was thinking about leaving and there was a lot of rumblings about Belichick leaving. We actually, uh, you know, thought of Jared Mayo might be a guy. He was a guy that was being talked about in the front office as a successor for Belichick. Yeah. It actually turns out that, they actually had in his contract, in Mayo's contract, that he was going to be the successor when Belichick left. It was supposed to be after the 2024 season, but, uh, you know, Patriots 4-13 and record this year, pretty much accelerating that timeline. Were you surprised that it went with Mayo, though? I mean, I know, like I said, it kind of was set in stone, literally, but, of course, you know, Mike Frabo's on the market, and there's going to be a lot of other coaches on the market as well. So what were your overall thoughts on this? Uh, Zach, we'll start with you when you heard it. I don't think I would say I'm stunned by it. I thought there was a pretty good chance it was either going to be him or Mike Vrabel. So the fact that they went ahead and went with Gerard Mayo, I mean, you've got the continuity. And when you've got 
uh, you're replacing probably the greatest coach in the history of football and Bill Belichick. I don't think it's a bad thing to have the continuity and to have a guy who played for Belichick. So you're going to have that connection and his defenses, the Patriots defense has not been bad the last couple of years. They had a stretch earlier in the year where they no. allowed 10 points or fewer in three straight games and lost all three of them. So the defense certainly is not the problem for this team. So I don't really have a problem with them uh, deciding to go with Gerard Mayo. And I'm not really all that surprised by it. I thought the process might take a little bit longer, but I think the result is not surprising. Yeah. Mayo uh, 38 on February 23rd, he'll turn 38. will be the youngest coach in the NFL. Obviously a linebacker for the pa- uh, Patriots uh, from the 2018 to 2015 uh, elected captain in his second season. That's a rare mm-hmm. feat in new England. So Robert Kraft definitely thinks high on him and the, yeah, we'll be the new coach of the Patriots next year. And let's see if we can turn things around. We weren't, you know, I'm sure, Zach, you weren't uh, surprised with Belichick leaving. I don't think anyone was really surprised with Belichick leaving. No. Uh, you know, we'll just kind of go through this again, get your thoughts in case you want to uh, add anything here because we know you weren't here Thursday. I mean, Mike Rabel, I don't think we were super surprised by that. Weren't surprised by Ron Rivera. Weren't surprised by Arthur Smith. Uh, you know, uh, Seattle was a little bit weird, but uh, that's, uh, I don't know if you want to, mention anything about the coaching change that we've had over the last you know week here this extended yeah, the, Friday. the Seahawks surprised me with Pete Carroll I Pete thought he's Carroll, done a pretty yeah. good job the last two years going nine and eight with really no with Geno Smith the quarterback with Drew Locke for much of the season so that one surprised me a little bit Vrabel surprised me because I mean his first three years they went to the AFC championship game won the AFC South had the number one seed and his record as an underdog is 14 and 12 straight yep. up not against the number, straight up. And I think he always gets the most out of his roster. So that did surprise me a little bit. Not surprised with Belichick. I probably would have let him finish it out the way that he wanted to, but I'm not surprised they chose to go in that direction. So I'm a little surprised by the vacancies up in Seattle and uh, with Tennessee deciding to move on from Vrabel. Both those kind of surprised me a bit. Do you think uh, Ron Rivera is done in the league, or do you think he'll try to be an assistant, or maybe even get a head coach? He's not getting another head coaching job. He'll probably get a defensive coordinator job, but he won't get another assistant. head coaching job. Yeah, like an assistant coordinator. Uh, where where would you like to see Mike, Mike Vrabel go? And then Belichick, too, I guess, uh, in that regard. Well, Seattle's coach. interesting. Yeah. Seattle is an interesting job. I think the Falcons are an interesting job if they can get the quarterback situation figured out with the young talent they've got with Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts. I think that would be a unique spot. I think Belichick – his best spots the Chargers. You've got a ready-made quarterback in Justin Herbert. You've got a team that's ready to win. You just need a head coach and get you over the hump, and certainly he can do that. That's what Justin said on on Thursday too. Uh, Chargers probably being the most uh, left open spot in NFL right now at that spot, the head coaching spot in San uh, in Sanford, uh, L.A. Excuse me, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. One of them. <laughs> Uh, let's go on. Wild card weekend, though. Speaking of NFL, let's break down the games actually happening uh, coming up this weekend with the teams still in the contention in the NFL. We'll start with Saturday. Cleveland Browns, Houston Texans. Um, yeah, matchup to watch. I mean, uh, Tunsil versus Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett has been on an absolute tear. Uh, you know, he's going to want to sack uh, CJ Stroud, and then Tunsil hasn't been playing very well as of late as well, protecting CJ Stroud. He's been having injuries as well. My other big takeaway from this game, Amari Cooper, uh, last time they played the Texans, um, he went pretty much nuclear. I mean, he had 11 catches yeah. for 265 yards, a franchise record at that time, too. Nobody on Texas defense could stop him, but, of course, they will be ready for him this time. 
what are the big takeaways you have from this game? I mean, Flacco Stroud, I think it's going to be a really, really fun matchup. The pace is going to be really, really high, and it's going to be an explosive, explosive game. And, and weird to say, weird to think that a Cleveland Brown game and a Houston Texans game uh, could definitely hit an over and uh, most likely will hit an over. Yeah, I, I think there's a good chance that, that game hits the over. I think this is a matchup, you know, you think Browns, Texans, maybe not the most intriguing game, but I think it is. I think when you look at this matchup, of course, CJ Stroud didn't play the first time. He's been the best rookie quarterback that I think we've seen in a long time. But here's a stat for you. Start, first time starting quarterbacks in playoff games are 21 and 38 against the spread since 2003. Browns are actually favored in this game by two and a half. It's not hard to see why because they dominated the AFC South this year, and they've got a defense that travels. Uh, the running game's been better as of late, and Joe Flacco has been a godsend for this team. The Browns can absolutely make a run in this thing, and I think the Texans could make a run if uh, they're able to get by this game and they potentially get the right matchup. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see either of these teams potentially in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I think the Browns might have a better chance but to go to the NFC title so. game. The AFC title game, yeah. So I think that the... You know, Flacco has playoff experience in the Browns. They have a pretty good roster. They have a very, they have a top-notch defense, probably the number one defense in the league. They have offensive weapons as well. And Flacco, I think that the Browns should be able to come away with this game. It's an indoor game. I mean, well, the Browns are kind of used to the colder out, outdoor conditions in Cleveland. But, uh, but, yeah, I think the Browns should be able to win. The Texans, it wouldn't shock me either. But I think that um, I think that Stroud's time will come soon. Maybe this year, maybe in the future. But I think this is going to be a very intriguing matchup uh, for the first game of the wild card. Yeah, weekend. I like the Browns to win as well. I'm picking the Browns. No, great way to start off. Um, moving on uh, after that game Saturday night on Peacock, which you know that's a whole other story. Miami Dolphins, Kansas City Chiefs cold game as we all know at this point i think it's quite going to be a minus 30 uh wind chill uh dolphins have an electric offense however uh this is going to be the coldest game potentially the coldest game in dolphins franchise history i think the before this uh 10 degrees was the coldest game that they ever played in and this game will be zero degrees like i said with a negative 30 wind chill uh so this is going to be you know i want to see if the dolphins can still come out and have this explosive offense they've had all year with these terrible mm -hmm. terrible conditions i mean they finished first in total offense at 401.3 yards a game passing offense at 265 and a half and the, the second largest in the league in points per game at just under 30 as well. Mahomes, of course, 9-2 and two in playoff games at Arrowhead and 11-3 in playoff games uh, overall in general. And, you know, their offense has been struggling this year, but their defense, of course, has been playing lights out all year. So what do you guys think about this game? I am going to take uh, the Chiefs. Dolphins can't beat good teams, and this weather, I think, is really going to affect them. Yeah, Floridians don't like it when the weather gets below 60 degrees, so they're really not going to like playing in Kansas City. But even beyond the weather, I think the Dolphins' defensive injuries are going to be a problem. No Bradley Chubb. He's out for the season. That was kind of the last blow for a team that has had a lot of injuries on that side of the ball. Uh, I don't really trust the Dolphins in big games against good teams. They're 1-6. They only beat the Cowboys on the last-second field goal. And it's hard to imagine that Kansas City is going to lose in the wild card round as a defending Super Bowl champs. I think Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey get it together. I know I'm not confident in the wide receivers, but I am more confident in Isaiah Pacheco. I think they'll be able to run the ball. People don't like tackling physical running backs in cold weather. I think the Chiefs get it done at home. Yeah, I, it's for me, it's actually a kind of a tougher game to pick. But the weather plays a factor, especially with a Florida team involved. 
I think that the that they're gonna that the Dolphins probably lose this game. The Chiefs should be able to come away with the win at home, uh, but Kansas City hasn't been playing their best football all year long. So I could see I could see an upset in this game, but I would I think the safest I think it's gonna be a low scoring game. I think it's gonna be twenty seventeen. 17-14. I I don't think it's going to be an explosive yeah. game. So, but I'll go with the Chiefs here as the as the home team and obviously the weather's on their side. Yeah, it could be a weird game for sure with this weather. Do you guys even have Peacock? Yeah, <laughs> I don't I, do. I don't no, have I it. No, I don't have it. <laughs> it's, I think it's one of like the anymore I think it's considered one of the worst streaming uh platforms there are i've so never that, had a problem with it that's no i just mean like as far as like what they offer but i know like yeah. i think i think they paid like 130 million for this game yes hopefully <laughs> somehow it's absurd. on cable <laughs> it, I, it won't be that's it's gonna make a lot of people uh upset oh, i can't wait for the boomers to realize that oh, this yeah. game is on streaming they're gonna freak uh, out yeah <laughs> so many people like that are bills or uh dolphins or chiefs fans they probably don't even know it's on peacock until like the last minute they're just gonna be so, so they're nice. making the swifties by peacock that's what they're doing yeah, good yes, it'll, it'll work yeah that'll be more that money than sure. the taylor swift concert or maybe that's more right. or maybe not yeah. <laughs> not not probably not yeah not more yeah not more no Steelers Bills, um, yeah, another bad weather game. I mean, hopefully the snow will be cleared off by the time the game happens. I mean, obviously it's we're recording this on Friday night, and so, I mean they already have like what it looked like six, seven inches at least on the field yeah. as of now, like as of Friday night. So this is going to be a you know a very bad weather game as well. Um, I think they originally were thinking of moving it to Cleveland, which I thought I don't really know how that really helps because the whole they're not going to do that. Yeah, no, not, not at this point, but. When I first heard that, I don't know why they would even do that because the whole Northeast is getting hit, not just, not just uh, you know, not just Buffalo. So I don't think it would have been much better. Yeah, it's going to be a you know run heavy game though. It's going to be the Bills rush offense against the Steelers rush defense, and then, of course the Steelers rush offense against the Bills rush defense. You know, on the former side of that, James Cook, he's been you know he's a Pro Bowler for the Bills. Third in scrimmage, uh, third in yards after scrimmage this year for the Bills at uh, fifteen hundred and sixty-seven, and Bills' run game still relies heavily on Allen as well. And but that's been the Steelers' biggest advantage this year has been their run defense. Of course, JJ Watt, JJ Watt will be out of this game, but you know that defensive line is still very stout for the for the Steelers. So it's going to be interesting to see who can come up. Najee Harris, of course, he's playing really really well. Uh, so it's going to, you know, Jalen Warren, he's not far behind, 8.8 carries per game. So what do you guys think about this game? Like, which, uh, you know, it's not gonna be, the ball's not going to be thrown too much, I don't think, anyhow. Uh, it's going to be definitely a run-heavy game. And, you know, who do you think comes out on the line of scrimmage for this game? I think it's going to be a low-scoring, ugly game once again. I think the Bills should be able to come away with the win. But uh, but the Steelers, I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't sleep on the Steelers too much in this game, especially... The Bills haven't been playing their best football, but recently, since the offensive coordinator change, they've been playing much, much better football than they have for the start of the season. I still wonder about about McDermott a little bit, but I think the Bills should be able to come away with this win and possibly even could be in the AFC title game. Yeah, they would host Kansas City in all likelihood, or or possibly the Dolphins. I I like the Bills. I think this is the lock of wild card weekend. The Steelers, 
backdoored their way in. Mason Rudolph played well the last couple of weeks, but without TJ Watt, I have a hard time imagining the Steelers being able to contain that Buffalo offense. Josh Allen has a weapon to him that uh, Mason Rudolph just simply doesn't have. And at some point, Stephon Diggs is going to have a big game, but I know James Cook is going to have a big game. I think he's going to, especially catching the ball out of the backfield, I think he's a difference maker. Josh Allen, with his ability to run the ball, I think is going to help out. So even if Buffalo just wants to run the ball the entire game, we saw him do it against the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. I, I think the Bills win this game, and I think they win it comfortably. Yeah, of course, like I said, that T.J. Watt will be out of this game. But, you know, they still have that three-man rotation in that defensive line with Cameron Hay- Hayward, uh, Larry Ujanobi, I think I pronounced that right. Ojanobi. Ojanobi, yeah. I can never pronounce that. And then Kenu Benton, of course. And, you know, they, they have, that's what they're known for is, of course, that run defense forever for the Steelers, not just this year. So it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. Packers-Cowboys. Uh, this is going to be – I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh I mean, the Cowboys, of course, they're, they're what they want to do is they're, they're going to try to, you know, light up the scoreboard as fast as possible and then prevent the Packers from ever being able to catch up. And they're able to do that at home for sure. They've been playing absolutely lights out at home this year. Dak Prescott has been on fire at home this year. Packers are young, but they don't play like it. I mean, they finished they finished this year 12th in both total offense and passing offense. And Jordan Love, like I said, is coming out. Uh, just playing lights out end of the season going into the playoffs. So, yeah, we'll talk about, talk about it more with uh, Lance Allen coming up uh, with the interview with Lance Allen. I think he was on his way uh, to Ar- Arlington like shortly after we talked. But what do you guys think about this game and what, do you, what are your predictions? What do you think is going to happen uh, in Arlington? I think the Cowboys win this game. It's at home. They're the best home team in the league. Uh, averaging 37 points a game at home, that's the most for any team since the 2014 Packers. Dak Prescott threw 22 touchdowns at home. And I think CeeDee Lamb might be the best receiver in the NFL. I think the Packers keep this game interesting because Jordan Love has been great the second half of the year. But more more into the point, the Packer defense has been solid the last couple weeks against the Vikings and the Bears, albeit not against an offense anywhere near what Dallas has to the brought to the table. But This is the best home team in the league. I expect them to get the job done. Uh, Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, I don't know how much I completely trust them as far as the deeper they go in the playoffs, but I think they can handle this challenge. I think this is a closer game. I I think Green Bay might actually cover the number. It's, I believe, seven and a half. I think they can cover that, but I think Dallas wins. Yeah, I think the Cowboys do win this game. It's at home. The Packers, I think the Packers could make it a game, though. Jordan Love, I wouldn't sleep on him in this game and as a franchise quarterback obviously for the Packers but I think this game could be close and but I see Dallas coming away with the victory at home yeah and they're they're a young team uh like I said the Packers too like a really young team so that's obviously not going to help them going into the playoffs too with postseason postseason of course being a completely different beast Rams versus Lions uh definitely the biggest storyline behind the game in this game of course uh, Stafford will be coming to Detroit. He'll, to D- Detroit, excuse me. He'll be coming back to, uh, you know, back to the Steel City, not, not Steel City, Motor City. I think it's the Motor City. <laughs> Motor City, <laughs> not, not Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, I mean, Staff. Both teams got a lot from this deal. All things considered, I mean, Stafford obviously went on to win a Super Bowl for the Rams, and then uh, we all see what Jared Goff is doing for the Lions now. I mean, Lions are number two in passing yards at just under 260 per game. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an awesome game. I don't really know who I want to win or even who I think is going to win this game. Rams coming into this are super, super hot. Lions have been good all year. Defense still really concerns me. So I wouldn't be concerned if the Rams do end up coming away with this win. I mean, what do you guys, what, what are your thoughts on, thoughts on this game? I mean, who do you want to win, first of all, between the uh, Jared Goff and, or, you know, Jared Goff and Matt Stafford? Uh, matchup, and then who do you think is ultimately going to win? Uh, this is going to be a very interesting game. I think this could be the offensive game of the week here. If we want to go shootout, this is the perfect game for a shootout. The Rams have a high-powered offense. The Lions as well. Maybe not a high-powered offense, but at the end of the day, I trust the Rams more in this game. I think Matt Stafford could win. I think he comes back to Detroit it makes a statement here. The Lions, I, I could see the Lions losing this game. I really could. But I okay. actually trust the Rams a little bit more going into this game. Maybe a 34-31 game. They're maybe very high-scoring game in my opinion. Yeah. But who do I want to win? I would want the Lions, but for me it doesn't really, I don't know, it doesn't really have an impact too much. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Rams are going to win this game. Okay, sorry. I think the Rams win because of their balance. I think Kyron Williams has really stepped up, second leading rusher in the league this year. Matthew Stafford's been on fire as of late. You know he's going to be fired up to go back to Detroit and ball out there. Puka Nakua, of course, setting all sorts of rookie records. Cooper Cup is starting to return to form. The Rams, I think, are the most dangerous team potentially in the NFC. If we're talking about somebody outside of San Francisco or Dallas that could potentially make a run and win the NFC, I think it's the Rams. They're playing great football right now. And Detroit, I just – it's hard to fully trust them. Maybe it's because they're the Lions, but they turn the ball over a lot in their losses. Rams are very good at taking the ball away, and I, I'm going to take the Rams. Yeah, no, they're uh, – Matt Stafford coming into this game, um, 70% completion, uh, 70, 70% in completion over the last three outings, and he's just been playing lights out. And that defense, like I said, for the Lions does scare me. It's still been a successful season for the Lions, of course. Of course, this is going to be the first playoff game in uh, Ford Field. Ford Field didn't open until 2002. And then, of course, the Lions have not hosted a playoff game since 1993 when Brett Favre came to town and ended their playoffs hopes that year. So still awesome for the Lions. They're, they have they are building something, and this is not you – know, they'll be back to the playoffs even next year despite what happens on Sunday. And I agree. I think the Rams are going to win. I don't really care who wins, but I do think the Rams will come away with this because they're just way, way too hot right now. Monday, Monday Night Football, Eagles, Bucks, um, Baker Mayfield, career high in passing yards this year and passing touchdowns, passing yards over 4,000, and he has 28 uh, passing touchdowns on the season as well. Of course, the, the last time Eagles and Bucks played, I think it was week three, right? Yes. Uh, Eagles three. ran 70, 78 plays to Tampa Bay's 44 plays. Uh, they outmatched them uh, 472 yards to the Bucks' 174 total yards. But this Eagles team, of course, is a much, much different team than they were in week three, as we all know, uh, slumping majorly, majorly over this last month. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, of course, nobody, Philly fans or not, would be surprised if the Bucks do beat the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I just want to get your thoughts on this game, guys. Like, what do you think about uh, this game Monday night? It's a tough one to call right now. I'll be honest, not just as a fan of the Eagles, but for the Bucks and but for this game, 
I think this could be – I still think this could be a toss-up. I mean, Jalen Hurts' middle finger is hurting right now. He's injured. You have injuries on the Eagle side. I think this could be an even game. Obviously, Mayfield's banged up too, but it could be an even game, maybe a 20-17 to 17 game, maybe a 21-18 game, somewhere in there. I think you could see – I think you could see some runs, but a lot of running for both teams, but that's if the Eagles can run the football. But yeah. they haven't been able to run the football. They're just a very pass-friendly team, as I've kept saying. So I think that I'm going to have to pick Tampa Bay right now as uh, the Bucks. I mean, I'm not that not that I'm you know locking them up, but this could be this could be an upset for the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I I gotta go with the Bucks. I think Baker Mayfield's been one of the most underrated stories in co- in not college football in the NFL this year. Uh, that the Bucks have been playing pretty good football as of late. Mike Evans, I think people don't realize that he is a Hall of Famer in the future, one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, I I think Chris Godwin's been great as well. That defense has started to, to step their game up, and they've beaten some playoff teams. They've beaten some good teams of late. They beat the Jaguars. They beat the Packers. This is I know it's the NFC South, but Tampa's been the one good team, I think, in the NFC South. And the Eagles, we don't know if A.J. Brown's going to play. We don't know how effective Jalen Hurts is going to be. I can't really have much confidence in the Eagles when they've lost five out of six and did it against the easiest remaining schedule in the league. So I'm taking the Bucs. Vontae Smith, yeah. too, might be questionable as well. He hasn't played since <laughs> since the Cardinals game. He got hurt and now didn't play against the Giants last week. So could be could be another big injury to watch for Philadelphia. Both in, uh, both quarterbacks are injured too. Mayfield, uh, ribs and his ankle. Actually, mostly his ribs though. And then of, of course, Hertz has that uh, dislocated middle finger on his throwing hand. So that's uh, yeah, both both quarterbacks going to this game kind of beat up. Which I guess everyone at this point of the year is most intriguing storyline. Uh, let's move on to the most intriguing storyline before our interview with Lance Allen. Zach, I'll start with you. What is your most intriguing storyline? Week. Oh, it's the two quarterbacks that were traded for each other now playing against each other in the playoffs. Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford and Jared Goff. The Lions haven't won a playoff game since 1991. They haven't hosted a playoff game since 1993. And, you know, the Lions have been kind of a, I don't want to say team of destiny all year, but they started the very first game of the year by beating the Chiefs. They've been one of the big stories of the league this year. And the Rams are potentially the hottest team in the NFC right now. So I, the, the fact that this is a Sunday night game over Packers-Cowboys I think shows you the draw that the Lions have been this year, the surprise that the Lions have been. I, I don't think there's any doubt this is the most intriguing storyline. I'm going to go with the uh, FSU sanctions that we hear about from the NIL violations. So NCAA is putting uh, NIL sanctions on FSU. Uh, this comes back to, uh, to a spring 2022 recruiting event in which uh, Alex Atkins – uh, basically committed level two violations, which I don't know what that means, but he basically, uh, you know, he alleged to have driven a prospect and his parents to a meeting with a leading member of the school's NAL collective, right? Uh, Rising Spear at the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't really know the exact, exact details. I'm not, you know, I don't get the whole violation. I don't know what a level two violation is, but basically Florida State, the biggest storyline out of this is uh, they're going to be the first team to really get hit for NIL violations. I mean, this is 30 months into, uh, you know, the NIL basically became a thing in the NCAA. And like I said, FSU now will become the first school hit 
with sanctions by the NCAA for violating these NIL rules. As part of the, uh, you know, as the punishment for FSU, the school must disassociate with the NIL collective representative for a term of three years. The school also must dissociate from the NIL collective for more than one year. As part of this dissociation, FSU also cannot accept assistance from the collective and the collective cannot contribute to the athletic program in any way. Uh, however, of course, the collective is free to continue working with FSU athletes and the NIL endeavor. So, yeah, not good for FSU, of course, just coming out of, you know, being left out of the playoff as well. Um, you know, they're still salty from that. And this is kind of rubbing rubbing uh, salt in the uh, in the wound. So, yeah, I mean, FSU first team to get hit sanctioned for violating the NIL agreements. That's my most intriguing storyline. Justin, what is your most intriguing storyline? This coaching carousel. This is the biggest coaching carousel we have ever seen in the NFL, maybe even in college football and football in general, both in college and the pros. I mean, there's so many big names available. And how many jobs? I mean, how many jobs could be open for them? How many jobs could be enough for them? So you have Saban retiring, uh, Pete Carroll also retiring as well not retiring, but still with the Seahawks, Bill Belichick out in New England, and probably many other jobs could be open. Not many, but maybe a job or two after wildcard weekend could be open, say a team gets eliminated in the first round. Maybe even the Eagles, maybe even the Steelers, if let's say Tomlin wants to walk away for a year. But I think this could be a very – but the coaching carousel – is going to be very, very intriguing this year in both college and the NFL. There's big programs. There's big jobs available. There's a lot of shoes to fill with longtime coaches like Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, and much more and much attractive positions to be the head coach of a college or NFL team. So if you're a big-name coach and – looking for, you know, another job with a big with teams that have the ingredients to win. They have the ingredients to win. Uh, that is very intriguing. That's my most intriguing storyline. Is there anyone in particular you guys are uh, surprised that they're still around? I mean, every year there's going to be seven coaches, give or take, six, seven, eight coaches, whatever, let go on, you know, Black Monday or however long the an extended Black Monday is. Uh but anyone in particular you're surprised is still there. Me personally, I'm really surprised the Bears held on the Eberflus, especially considering, like you just said, Justin, all the coaches that will be available. But anyone else, like you're surprised? And I don't really know who else to really be. I mean, everyone else. Yeah, I'm not really surprised considering the way the Bears finished the season that they're running it back with Eberflus. I thought maybe Dennis Allen would be gone in New Orleans because yep. he has not been a successful head coach with either the Raiders or the Saints. And there seems like the players don't seem to have a whole lot of respect for Dennis Allen, and so I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that he's still there. Outside of that, there really wasn't too many shockers as far as non-firings are concerned. Yeah, and of course, a lot of them happened uh, throughout the year, too. But Doug Peterson, do you think he has, like, one more year? If they struggle yeah. next year, he'll be gone? Yeah, me too. I think that's the case with the way that they finished the year. Could be. Mm-hmm. Could be one more year, two more years. But that's, uh, that's kind of shocking in Jacksonville that he had a – that he was eight and three and end up wounding up going nine and eight. That's that's how things could change in the NFL on a dime like that. Yeah, that's I right. Mean, it just was a epic collapse, of course, by the Jags. Worst collapse, you know, of any team this year. I mean, even more than the Eagles. So it's a 
course. Yeah, because at least the Eagles made the playoffs. Yeah, made the playoffs, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, moving on. Lance Allen, TMJ4 in Milwaukee. A uh, little bit of a short interview. He had to take a get get ready to take a plane to Arlington. But breaking down Packers season and uh, especially their uh, uh, matchup against Dallas coming up tomorrow. So awesome interview with him and, uh, you know, getting the Jordan love as well and how impressive he has been and how much he's been admired by the fan base. So without any further ado, let's head to Milwaukee and talk to Lance Allen. Okay, heading to the Midwest, Lance Allen from TMJ4 in Milwaukee. Lance, we had you on uh, end of September. So this would have been about uh, like week four in the NFL, somewhere around there. Things uh, at the end of October, Packers were two and five. Things looked really, really dim for the Packers. Uh, had to have you on again. Love having you on again. Uh, Packers, of course, making the playoffs. They will face the Cowboys this Sunday in Arlington. Overall, I mean, let's just talk about the Packers' season so far and just how hyped the fan base is. Like I said, end of October, they were two, two and five. Two weeks later, they were three and six. Um, and now, like I said, they find themselves in the playoffs, nine and eight record uh, in the NFC. And like I said, we'll play the Cowboys this weekend. How hyped is the fan base for this team uh, making the playoffs? And especially in light earlier in the season, was this exceeding expectations for this team? I think the fan base is very excited, Jared. Now, I do think it exceeds expectations to a degree in the sense that um, I was one of the few people that thought they could go eight and nine, nine and eight, depending on how the breaks went. But I don't think anybody expected the roller coaster, like you said, two and five, you know, three and six, you know, just kind of muddling through the season, trading Rasul Douglas, you know, which kind of almost looked like they were basically saying, okay, you know, we're going to recoup some things for next year, some draft equity and capital and things like that. But they caught fire at the right time. Uh, The young guys grew up at the right time and they ended up finishing nine and eight. So I think um, a lot of these young guys and we can go right on down the list, you know, starting with Jordan Love. But, you know, a lot of the rookie draft class, a lot of younger guys really developed quicker, uh, developed sooner rather than later. And that's what got them to nine and eight. Um, it also is beneficial that you have seven playoff spots now. Let's face facts because they are the seventh seed. Mm-hmm. And it's beneficial that the bottom end of the NFC wasn't exactly a murderer's row. You know, you've got like three or four teams that are legit stalwarts in the NFC. And then the other ones kind of, you know, got in somehow, some way. So, but st- all things being equal, I think this is a great opportunity for the young Packers because whether they win, lose, whatever happens, uh, I think they're building something positive for the future. How do the Packers match up against uh, against the Cowboys tomorrow? Yeah, I, I think the Cowboys on paper have the better talent. Let's face facts. You know, they've got uh, some of the league leaders in offense and defense on both sides of the ball. Uh, you've got Mike McCarthy on that side of the ball as well, who probably wants to exact a little bit of revenge on the team that he formerly guided uh, in the building that he won the Super Bowl in, Super Bowl 45, uh, when he was leading the Packers. Um, but I, I think sometimes there is the old adage of, when you're young, you don't know any better. And that's kind of the way the Packers have been of late. Now, the I've covered the playoffs for years. I've, I've been in this business for 31 going on 32 years. I've been at TMJ uh, for 28 of those years. And so I've covered a lot of playoff games, good, bad, and in between, Jared. And and there is a it, the playoffs are a different animal. You can't go in and be too loose and carefree because that'll sneak up and bite you. But you can't go in super, super tense either. Um, you got to kind of play it down the middle of the fairway, so to speak. And, um, you know, but this team has been very impressive in how they've grown up 
and how they've just kind of handled their business, not knowing any better that, hey, maybe they aren't even supposed to be here. I mean, what's really the key for the Packers tomorrow in Arlington? I mean, uh, home, they're amazing at home. The Cowboys, unfortunately, as, as we all know, I mean, what they had a span of time there where they're, I think they were averaging 40 points a game at home and were, looked pretty much unstoppable. So is it really more that just preventing that air raid offense for the Packers secondary, really stepping up safeties, really stepping up to really limit Dak Prescott and his big throws. Like what would be the big takeaway you have uh, against the Cowboys? Yeah, If you're on the positive side, Jared, you say, okay, the Packers defense, which has been much maligned under defensive coordinator, Joe Barry for most of the year has, is coming in as good as they've been all year. They've allowed 19 points in the last two games, 10 to the Vikings, nine in the last game against the Bears. So you couldn't get, much better and much better results than that coming into this game against the high-powered Cowboys offense. But on the flip side, you also say, well, the Vikings were down to their third or fourth string quarterback, depending on depending on who was in the game and how you looked at it. Uh, and then, you know, uh, there's the, the jury still out, in my opinion, on Justin Fields as well. Uh, so this is going to be something different. And you hope that the Packers, if you're being more pessimistic, you hope that the Packers defense doesn't revert back to what we saw when they gave up, you know, 30 points to the Panthers and when they couldn't get out of their own way for part of the season as well. Yeah, I was going to ask about Joe Barry. Did Joe Barry save his job by making the playoffs and I think, how he's played? I think that's still pressure? subject to debate. Um, you know, the Packers will not obviously talk about it. And, you know, Joe Barry's been very demonstrative. The last two games I've been outside the <laughs> locker room and he has gone out of his way to congratulate his guys and say, hey, we're still alive. We're still, you know, kind of like, hey, we'll show you whatever, being very vocal about it. Um, but um, I still think that that is something that will be talked about in the off season. I'll be, I'll be very curious to see which direction they go, depending on what happens. I don't think they'll make a decision necessarily on just, just what happens in Dallas, but it could, uh, you know, for the optics, like if you, if you actually pull the upset and the defense plays really, really well, um, yeah, there's a chance anything can happen. But if they, if, like you said, if they, if they, you know, get boat raced and, and, you know, the Cowboys hang 40 points on him. It's a lot harder to bring him back next season. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the young talent that they have on the Packers. I mean, just talk about Jordan Love, right? I mean, he's been, he looked very, he looked bad in the beginning of the year, but now he's going into the playoffs with a tremendous amount of hype. I mean, those people comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, I mean, obviously has over 4,000 yards on the year as well. So, I mean, just tell me like the hype around Jordan Love and, you know, his, I mean, do you, are you on the side of the fence to say that his ceiling could actually be someone like a Patrick Mahomes or, you know, a, a top talent in the league? I, I think it, I think he could be very, very good. And I think, you know, part of the um, test of last week was you look at Jordan Love and you go, you know what, if, if you had a choice between Jordan Love and Justin Fields, I would take Jordan Love. And maybe that's a biased opinion, but just, you know, that, mm -hmm. that game was a little bit of a litmus test. And Jordan Love played really, really well when the chips were down and when they really needed it. And down the stretch, 18 touchdowns, one interception. So he has not been making mistakes, kind of like what you said, making the mistakes that he made at that midpoint of the season uh, for a while. And he's spreading the ball around. Like, look, at in the Vikings game, it was Bo Melton, very unregarded, you know, off the practice squad, great story. This week, it was Dontavian Wicks, fifth-round draft pick. So if you're open, more than likely – 
you're going to get the ball. And it doesn't matter if you're Christian Watson and or if Christian Watson's hurt, they move to the next person, Romeo Dobbs. Jaden Reed is definitely a, a playmaker and a difference maker, so you watch out for that combination in the years to come. Love to read. But he is going to spread the ball around, and now the tight ends, Tucker Craft, you saw him emerge. Luke Musgrave got hurt right when he was starting to develop, but now he's back. So you, you've got a lot of weapons now. Yeah, and I mean – you might not know the answer. You might not know the answer to this, Lance. But what I mean, what changed like about Jordan Love? I mean, like you said, he wasn't taking care of the ball earlier in the season. Uh, didn't really show much flashes. I mean, many people in Milwaukee, I'm sure, were frustrated with him. But then again, like he's going into the playoffs, playing lights out. And like, can you pinpoint anything in particular that changed with him? Did he just get more confident playing in the NFL? Yeah, I think I think confidence plays a key. I think uh, they got into a better rhythm. I think they went to the tight ends a little more, like I kind of hinted at, like going to Tucker Craft a little more. I think kind of, you know, settled him down and got him into more of a comfort zone and kind of taking, you know, some of the checkdowns. You don't always, you don't always have to go for the kill shot. And then the other thing in the last three games is, you know, Aaron Jones was really good the first time around against the Bears to open the season, pulled his hamstring. Then he started coming back, and he had a, what looked to be a serious knee injury against the Chargers in mid-November, and everybody thought his season was over, and he made a really nice comeback from uh, a sprained MCL. Um, looked, you know, The knee injury looked a lot worse than what it was, but he, he came back, and now you know, before these last three games, Aaron Jones had 298 rushing yards. Well, in the last three games, Jared, he's got 358, and that takes a lot of pressure off your quarterback. He's done really, really well, mainly on the ground, but also in the passing game where, you know, now Love looks to him for checkdowns or, or what you want, obviously, your best playmakers to get the most touches. So you expect Aaron Jones to get 20 to 25 touches. And I think that opens up a lot of other things when you have a legit, you know, uh, uh, running attack and when you have somebody in the backfield that people have to account for. Yeah. And, you know, going into the playoffs, I, I do want to ask you this kind of a, a weird question. I know. Obviously, Packers, seventh seed, they're not the juggernaut of the NFC playoffs right now. But what is the one thing, and I always like to ask this, like what is the one thing that keeps the fans up at night, that keeps the coaching staff up at night, that keeps the players up at night, you know, going into the playoffs, like they're one Achilles heel that they really, you know, need to button up uh, going to the playoffs and specifically against the matchup against the Cowboys tomorrow. Well, I think defensively and to pin it down even more is probably the run defense because they're more of a quicker you know, style of defense. So sometimes, you know, when they are allowing five to six yards per carry, you're, you're not going to get the ball away from the other team. What they've done a really nice job of of late is having these long controlled drives. And you've probably seen it. They had their longest drive of the year last week against the Bears, 92 yards. They've had long sustained drives against the Vikings and the Bears. They've owned the time of possession battle as well. And that's one way to try to beat the Cowboys is if they can maintain the ball, keep being, you know, in, in good down and distance, and then win your third down matchup more often than not. I think that is the way that the Packers have to win this game. But on the flip side, as you mentioned, uh, and as we were talking about, you know, like if, if, if Pollard is getting four five, six yards a crack, it's going to be a lot tougher. And that, that's, that would be the area where there's uh, Achilles heel, so to speak. And, you know, there were times this year where the pass rush also, they weren't getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback, weren't getting a lot of hits on the quarterback, not necessarily sacks, but obviously, you know, pushing the pocket, so to speak. And they've got to get pressure on Dak Prescott. But of late, they've done well, five sacks against the Bears. And it's come from a lot of different sources, whether it be Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, um, a lot of different guys have, have definitely got after the quarterback. And that's been advantageous to what they're doing as well. 
You mentioned a young team for the Packers. Very exciting, of course. I mean, the fan base always loves having a young team, especially a young team that's playing well. Are they concerned, though? And I ask you this in the sense that, I mean, the NFC North might very well be one of the best conf- or one of the best divisions, uh, if not even next year, but in a couple years. I mean, Bears building something, of course. Vikings would have been good this year. Kirk Cousins stayed healthy. Uh, Detroit Lions, of course, we all know they're you know they're on the uptick right now. And then the Packers. I mean, at least the Packers. Do you is there uh, fear in the fan base that this NFC North might actually be one of the best divisions? Uh, you know, in the short his, uh, short future. It, it's funny you say that, Jared, because at the beginning of the year, I would have said that they were arguably the worst division in the NFC. Um, and I think the NFC South, boy, that was a quite a train wreck to see who, who actually wanted to win that uh, division. Somebody had to, obviously. Um, but I think, you know, I think the Lions are here to stay because, yes, they have good young talent. I think the Packers are definitely an ascending team, not a descending team. It'll be interesting to see what the Vikings decide to do with Cousins and and how they decide to, to kind of so called rebuild their team because this year was a little bit of a transitional year. And then the Bears, yeah, they have a, a choice to make a quarterback, but they do have a lot of cap and draft capital to use to their, uh, you know, to their liking if they make the right decision. So you're probably right in the sense that I think the NFC North is definitely a rising division and you just want to make sure that you're, you know, staying ahead of the fray and rising with it. And I think next year is the year where the Packers have to compete with the Lions to win that division title before you consider yourself a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Well, Lance, it's been awesome, man. I know you got to get going. Really busy preparing for, uh, you know, the game tomorrow. And I know you're <laughs> a little bit snowed in right now, but taking a plane out shortly here to get to Arlington. And, and like I said, really appreciate your time. I know you're busy, and thanks for coming on and giving your insights on, on the Packers. I'm, I'm rooting for them. I'm an Eagles fan, so you know I'm rooting for the Packers. Uh, tomorrow and let's hope they can get it done and move on yeah this uh wisconsin winter is legit man so uh hopefully we uh travel safe and get down there and i was a part of the super bowl 45 thing where we had an ice storm and it was like 16 degrees down there so i've seen it all so well i'm, I'm prepared for everything let's put it that way all right lance i'll be in touch with you man and uh, you take care be safe and uh we'll we'll be in touch love to, love to have you on in the in the future okay? sounds good thanks jared all right man take care Okay, finish up the show. Writer's block, off the map, and long haul. We'll start with writer's block first, though. Justin, what is your writer's block of the week? My writer's block of the week is Pete Carroll leaving the Seattle Seahawks. Well, not leaving, being an advisor. Tough to... Pete Carroll, also, this could be a writer's block in the future, even. Could be something to look out for. Saying, tough to convince Seahawks ownership to let him stay as head coach because they're not football people. That could be very telling with the Seahawks ownership. And the only reason why Pete Carroll, the only reason why they won a Super Bowl basically was because of the talented roster with the Legion of Boom, Russell Wilson, and Pete Carroll as the head coach of that football team. But could this actually lead to a divorce between Pete Carroll and the Seahawks? Not just divorce from head coach, but the but an absolute split with the organization. In general, this could this could really boil over a little yeah. bit, and this could be this is a very interesting writer's block for me, for sure. Uh, my writer's block, Stephen A. Smith. He said that Adrian Griffin is basically on the hot seat because of the Bucks' defense. How uh, you know the defensive problems that they've been having this year? That's definitely not going to happen. I'm, they're obviously number two in the East right now. Still have Damian Lillard, still have Giannis, and uh, they're playing good offensively and. 
obviously still playing overall good enough to be the second seed in the league. So that's for me, that's just not going to happen. The Bucks will not get rid of Andrew Adrian Griffin uh, this year and uh you know, they would have to have a complete collapse for that to happen. The Bucks, of course, though, are 24th in the league in total defense, allowing uh, just over 119 points per game. But offensively speaking, they are just uh, definitely a juggernaut. So uh, that's my that's my uh, writer's block. Stephen A. Smith, uh, basically insinuating that Adrian Griffin is on the hot seat for the Milwaukee Bucks. Zach, what is your writer's block of the week? Uh, writer's block of the week is anybody who suggested that they would move the Browns or the Bills Steelers game up to Cleveland. Not happening. They're not moving playoff games unless it's a health risk. And you know what? It's snow. Yeah. Like, but can we just settle down? And anybody talking about moving the game out of Kansas City? It's cold. It's exactly. football. Let's not talk about the weather as though it hasn't been a big part of why football has been one of the most popular sports. I mean, there was the ice bowl, the freezer bowl. A lot of times these become some of the most memorable games in the history of professional football. So the, the, the talk about the weather, about moving the game, you know, having dome stadiums for every game is ridiculous. Football's meant to be played in the elements. Yeah. Um, it, it, would, it would have been funny, though, because it would have helped the Steelers out, obviously taking away a home game mm-hmm. from the Bills. Yeah, it would have been a Steeler home game up in Cleveland. Yeah, Pretty really. much, yeah. I mean, where do you Pretty move much. the game to? I mean, move it to a neutral location, I guess. Well, move it to Lincoln Financial because the Eagles yeah. don't have a home game. Or you can move it to, uh, hey, move it to a stadium in Florida because, well, uh, not Tampa, but Jacksonville no, and Miami. Them. Yeah, good thing, very good. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's just funny because they would have went to a divisional rival in the Browns, and it actually would have helped the Steelers if they did that. It just would have been kind of interesting and funny if they if that would have happened. Uh, not the right decision. That, <laughs> no. Off the map of the week. Justin, what is your off the map of the week? My off the map of the week is the Kawhi Leonard contract extension. He's going to stay loyal to the Los Angeles Clippers. I know he didn't kind of was not too loyal in the first two teams with the Spurs and the Raptors. He did win a title in San Antonio, but the good thing is he will be staying with the Clippers. Both in San Antonio and Toronto, he won a title. Now, let's see if he can deliver a title to the Clippers, and I think it's good for both sides. Paul George, I think also in con uh, discussion to you know get get back and increase his contract to extend his contract. But Harden's uh, still there, so you never know if uh, that could be a locker room drama. <laughs> if it hasn't been already, I don't know. It's uh, I think that that shit might have sailed. But hey, if Harden gets unhappy, though, it will be because we we've seen that happen in the past yeah. many uh, on a couple a couple of occasions. Um, my off the map of the week, Olympics are bringing its first beer brand as a global sponsor. Uh, the deal includes Budweiser, Corona, Michelob, and Modelo. Uh, this will be the this will be for the first for the next three summer and winter games. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, just kind of cool. Obviously, a little bit of a controversy about this because a lot of the countries that compete in the Olympics, of course, ban alcohol. Uh, but this will be interesting. Uh, I know, like, to be a top sponsor for the Olympic, to be a, a top Olympic partner, brands have to pay three hundred million dollars to do this. And I'm not really sure what this what this deal encloses, but it's definitely not going to be cheap. You know, for like I said, Budweiser, Corona, McLobin, Modelo. Uh, I think they're all three of them, or all four of them, are coming together as a partnership deal here. I'm not really sure too much of the specifics besides that. But yeah, pretty cool, all things considered. And uh, yeah. 
um, you know, Olympics kind of broadening broadening its horizons a little bit and uh, being a little bit controversial as well. Uh, Zach, what is your off map of the week? Off the map of the week is all these Ohio State guys coming back. Travion Henderson, JT Tuimalolo, Emeka Abuka. So many guys that could have been first-round picks or close to it are choosing to return for, to Ohio State for their senior years. Clearly, everybody's pissed off that Michigan won a national championship, so the NIL collective at Ohio State has stepped up and spending their money. And now I think Ohio State's going to go out and try to get a couple of guys from Alabama who are going to enter the transfer portal. So Ryan Day is starting to try to assemble the Avengers after the events of Monday night, not to mention Quitshot Judkins coming to Ohio State, literally tweeting that the moment the game ended on Monday night. I'm sure that was a pure coincidence. Ryan Day knows that his job is on the line next year. If he doesn't beat Michigan and doesn't at least get to the playoff, he's not going to be the head coach at Ohio State next year. And everybody coming back, you know, 0-3 against the Wolverines the last three years. They want their pair of gold pants. I think it's very interesting to see, you know, you don't see too many top programs have this many top-level prospects come back. So Ohio State going to be one of the top three or four teams in college football next year. And clearly, at least right now, playing with a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, especially with the transfer portal. I mean, kudos today, though, for basically hyping up his players and making the players believe in the program and coming back. Sure. So it's going to be more pressure on them for, than more than ever, though. Like you said, Zach, Michigan is on going to be on the downcline. McCarthy might not come back. Uh, uh, you know, Hardball might – well, he's, he's most likely going to leave. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot more pressure on Ohio State, though, for sure. Uh, finishing up now, long haul. Justin finishes up. What is your long haul of the week? My long haul of the week is AJ Brown. Actually, this is going to be very, very questionable here, and this could unravel into the game if the Eagles lose, and into the off season as well. Could he suggest a trade from the Philadelphia Eagles, and maybe even a contract extension, even though he's one year in to his current contract when the Eagles traded for him? Uh. This could be this could be a tough situation for the Philadelphia Eagles and a warning for uh, for the Eagles this offseason and to the NFL that AJ Brown could be up for a trade, but who knows? Also, really, the into the specifics, he deleted his social media, he de- deactivated his Twitter and deleted Eagle stuff off of his Instagram. So. That could be that could be a very telling sign. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a yeah. As, as we know at this point, definitely a diva. Um, my writer's block. Mal Tucker's appeal gets denied. Of course, Mal Tucker, the former uh, Michigan State head coach, uh, early in the season, got let go for a sexual assault, uh, um, basically allegation against Brenda Tilly uh, Tracy. I mean, excuse me, Brenda Brenda Tracy. So, yeah, um, I mean, not surprised, really. Michigan State's history is pretty bad, and I don't think a court would, you know, basically accept any appeal from a uh, sexual, assa- sexual assault case from uh, Michigan State anymore. I mean, you know, look, you look at Larry Nasser, uh, most, multiple Michigan State players have been charged of sexual assault cases. So, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this has been going on for a long time now. That's why it's my long my long haul of the week. Uh, Mal Tucker's appeal getting denied, um, you know, by the courts, and he, uh, yeah, will no longer be the head coach uh, early on this season, and then in the next season as well. Zach, what is your long haul of the week? 
long haul of the week is going to be what do the Bears decide to do with Justin Fields? You know, he had a great finish to the season. As I mentioned earlier, the Bears finished the season strong, but they're going to have to make a decision. Are they going to go forward with Justin Fields? Or are they going to pick Caleb Williams number one overall? Because there's a world that they could just trade the number one pick. And with how Caleb Williams is being hyped up, they're going to get a King's ransom. You know, he's much more hyped up than Bryce Young was last year. And they got Carolina's first round pick, which ended up being the number one pick. And they got DJ Moore out of it. So they are in a position to command a lot if they decide to trade that pick and they decide to go with Justin Fields in the future, or do they just decide that Caleb Williams is too good to, to, to pass up and they're just going to go ahead and take him number one overall. I think the bears have an opportunity to really kind of dictate the entire off season in one draft. Yeah, no, they, they own the draft. Obviously they own the number one pick. And um, I mean, Justin Fields himself could be potential trade value. I, I don't know mm-hmm. how much value that, how much value that would be. I know there's still a lot of uh, speculation on him. People are on the fence about him in general, not just in Chicago, but you know any team that would be a potential suitor for a trade. I know uh, the verdict is still out on him, as they say, and it's gonna, you know, I think what we see is what we get from Justin Fields. I don't really think Justin Fields is gonna get better as a player. Uh, I think, like I said, what you know, what we've been seeing the last couple of years is ultimately what you're going to get from him. And so, teams in any trade deal with him, of course, know this as well. And going to take it into consideration for sure okay good show guys back next week um do it all again of course breaking down all the games from this super wild card weekend we had in the nfl this past week and then anything else that gets uh that that happens before or since you know before then as well i'm sure there'll be head coaching news more head coaching news uh maybe more firings and of course definitely vacancies filled as well so we'll keep you up to date on all of that but Until then, we'll see you next week and keep on traveling.